the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Last week we left off at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, and I want to pick up there tonight. For we Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and by the Spirit of God and exalt and glory and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ and put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh and on outward privileges and physical advantages and external appearances. As I pointed out to you last week, Paul is speaking to the Philippians principally about a group or against a group, warning them as it were, of a group called the Judaizers, whose unstated goal was to bring the people of God back into the bondage of trying to attain righteousness through the law. They would appeal to the religious flesh of man by convincing him that he was responsible for attaining righteousness through the observance of the law. And as I've said many times before, the enemy's goal is to make us self-centered or man-centered, to distract us from our relationship with the Lord and to keep us seeking what we already have in Christ, constantly trying to add something to ourselves to make us righteous, to make us more acceptable. And the problem still exists. This group still exists, and the problem still exists in Christians today who are seeking to validate themselves in all manners of activities and programs. We even have those same kind of people out there today trying to tell us if we'll just do what they do, we'll be a deeper, happier, more successful Christian, if we'll just follow their way. Yet when we look around us, we see the facade of the modern Christian is actually failing, isn't it? We see more and more Christians running after the coping mechanisms of the world. They want freedom. But see, here's the problem. They've become convinced that freedom is in the ability to live like the world. Freedom is in the ability to look like the world. Freedom is in the ability to act like the world. And they've set that the world is their standard. Though Christ may be within them, their standard is without them. And they're constantly seeking to attain the goal of looking and acting and being accepted by the world, but yet still be okay with Jesus. Creates in them a duality that brings confusion and unrest. 
Even in churches, we employ methods and programs that these churches would say are seeker-friendly programs. But the reality is that those, most of those seeker-friendly programs will attract the carnal and the lost. But those people are attracted to the entertainment and not to the person of Christ. So they walk away with half the gospel. They may walk away with the idea that Christ can save them for, for eternity, but they don't come in contact with the personal, moment-by-moment Christ that they need. The relationship that they were meant to have. If they were to be really honest in all of the seeker-friendly ideas, and some of this is very well-meaning, but the reality of it is is that if they were to be really honest with it, they would tell you, we're just trying to make Jesus a little more attractive. We're trying to bring him up to date a little bit so people will be more attracted to him. Well, let me ask you a question. Where is their confidence? What are they dependent upon? What are they hoping in? What do you believe is the relevance of the church today? Is it to be more like the world in order to attract the world? Is that where our relevance is to be? Listen, we've been raised in a society that tells us that our value and who we are is determined by the values of men in this world. And so we're constantly trying to achieve it. But that's not the reality of who we are. Paul was no different. He was raised in the tradition of Judaism where his value was determined by his performance and his adherence to the law. He saw the Judaizers out there after coming to Christ and and being freed from all of that. He saw the Judaizers out there in the middle of these new fledgling churches inviting people to come under the bondage that Christ had died to free them of. They were even encouraged to get circumcised, the Gentiles. Paul called it the mutilation of the flesh likened unto the, the sacrifice often offered to pagan gods with the letting of blood as though they could add to the shed blood of Christ for righteousness' sake. Paul's revulsion to all of that was justified because that was what he was saved out of, a righteousness lived to the law. For Paul's life was a spiritual reality. Paul says we are the true circumcision, we who worship God in spirit. That is the true worshipers of Christ, those who live a Christ-centered life and not a self-centered one. And as I told you last week, to worship is not to gather, just to gather together on Saturday or Sunday or come together once a month or once a week or once a year or even twice a week. I'm telling you to worship is to live. To worship is to give your attention to The one who holds your life. The one who is your life. To worship is moment by moment. It's not just when we go to religious functions and it's not just when we need help. To worship is not just before a meal and not just at worship services. To worship is what we were designed to do. It's what we'll be doing in eternity. We don't just worship in song, we worship in word, we worship in voice, we worship in action. We worship because we were made for worship. 
And when you come to a meeting like this and you hear these kids sing and my wife sing and you hear the, all, of the, all of the beautiful music and, and, and you go to the functions and you hear the, all the, the choir and the orchestra and everything and you want to just sing out with them and you're encouraged and you say, wow, that really moved me. No! Christian, it spoke to the truth of who you are and you agreed with it. That's what moved you. That's worship. That's worship. You want to know when a service moves you? Because I can sit up here and babble words and you can zone out and think about where you're going after this or what you're going to do. I, that, that can be a worship service for you, but there's no worship involved there. That's self-centered thinking. You're not looking for Jesus. You're looking to get through it so you can check it off your list. If that's what you want to do, I don't know why you bother. The reality of it is that worship for you in this time is not to to focus on me, but to focus on the Father and say, Father, what is it that you would say to me and to my life? I want to hear you. But it's no different when you get up in the morning, is it? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It should be about what you want to tell me today, Lord. My focus is on you. I want to live life with you. I want to walk this day with you. Listen, Paul was not given to worldly vices. He was not given to immoral indulgences. For him, the life without Christ was a life of self-righteousness. And that's what he'd given himself to, to, in order to create for himself an identity. And nobody had more cause to put identity in this than he did. But he knew it was empty. He knew that it left him dead inside. He was unable to find fulfillment in his zealous pursuit of the law. And I believe that Paul was empty before he ever saw Jesus. I believe that it was the emptiness within him that pushed him forward to have just a little more standing in the law. It was that desire, if I could just get a little bit more, if I could have just a little bit more of this or that, it was the same for Paul. If I could just increase my standing a little bit more, I could, I could find fulfillment in this. I could find identity. I could find position. I would at last be happy. I would at last be accepted. But you know what's key for us, folks? That we could at last accept ourselves. Isn't that really what we want? To be able to accept ourselves? Paul thought, you know, I could find identity in this. And if anybody has reason for identity, certainly I do. But he knew it was empty. He knew he was not finding fulfillment in it. You know why I think that? Because of Acts 26.14. This is giving a recount of Paul's experience. And it says, And when we had all fallen to the ground, this is when when Jesus appeared in the light, I heard a voice in the Hebrew tongue saying to me, Saul, Saul, why do you continue to persecute me, to harass and trouble and molest me? It is dangerous and turns out badly for you to keep kicking against the goads, to keep offering vain and perilous resistance. Well, you know why the the Amplified uses the word resistance? Because goads were used to prod livestock on. They were sharpened sticks to move you in a a direction. Do you think that uh, the Spirit of God was working? Do you think that Paul 
might have had an inclination that he wasn't living in the truth? Who was Paul resisting? The Christians weren't fighting him. They weren't attacking him. He knew he was resisting the truth, and he had been for some time. He knew it. And it came to a culmination. He came to a point in his life, you know, the Christians set a contrast for him. He was present at the stoning of Stephen. He saw the contrast. And the contrast made it real clear that what he was pursuing in life wasn't working. And I see this same kind of contrast set a lot of people at odds with truth. And what did he do from that point forward? From that point forward, he decided that if he could just eliminate the Christians, he could get happy and satisfied in this life that he had chosen. He would finally be able to rest in his religious pursuit. If he could just eliminate the Christians. As Jesus said, Why are you kicking against the goats? You see, you're not fighting Christians, you're fighting me. His zeal against the Christians revealed the unrest within him. You know, I've counseled Christians and loved ones of Christians who have abandoned themselves to the world because they couldn't find any rest in their self-centered Christian living. So now... The things that they've just flirted with in the world, they go after with all abandon, thinking if I could just get enough of it, I'll be satisfied. Wreaking habit, not only in their lives, but the lives of their loved ones and everyone around them. But you know what? The truth is not put off. The truth is proven in their pursuit. For we see them empty at the end, and still needing, and still wanting. Except they've discarded, they've put away, they've shunned the only true answer that they had in their life. And it's interesting to me that when we get into these situations where we've been living in this duality, we start making choices of what we're going to put aside. And you know what's at the top of the list? Our faith. Well, I'll just give this Christian thing a rest and I'll pursue the world. Isn't that interesting? The one thing that has life for you, the one thing that has given you life, you're going to put aside and run after the very thing that is wreaking death out there, the very thing that is going to rent your soul with confusion and angst, the very thing that is going to leave you emotionally bankrupt and empty. Well, you know, if I could just get this, or if I could just have that, or if I could just achieve this, does it really work? didn't work for Paul. These Christians, they rush after these things, but in the end, they find themselves empty. Listen, confidence in the flesh is, is false confidence, and it's rebellion against God. Paul had every reason to boast in the flesh. He'd achieved what these Judaizers were saying was the very goal of life. He had achieved the appearance of righteousness in the observance of the law. Philippians 3, 4, he says, Though for myself, I have at least grounds to rely on the flesh. A little bit of twist of the knife there. If any other man considers that he has or seems to have reason to rely on the flesh and his physical and outward advantages, I still have more. I have still more. Paul's now going to list all the reasons why he could be confident in the flesh. He's telling the Philippians that no matter what these Judaizers may boast in, I have more. 
It's like you, like you coming up to me and saying, you know, if I only had a million dollars, I think I could be happy in life. And I, and I turning to you and saying, well, I've had a million dollars and it didn't make me happy. That's what it's like. These Judaizers are telling him, if you could just achieve the pinnacle of success in the law, you would find rest with God. You would find peace. And here's the interesting thing. The way that works is that you begin to believe. You have rest and peace with God as a Christian if you embrace the truth that your life is in Christ and not in this world. But if you begin to reject the idea that your life is in Christ or that your life is, is not in this world, if you begin to embrace this world and try to embrace Christ, you create confusion and unrest in your soul. Now we've done a lot of study of the spiritual anatomy. What's the soul connected to? The bottom line is your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. But on one side it's connected to the Spirit of God. And on the other side, it's connected to the body, the outward manifestation of who you are. And before you received Christ, you were trying to receive life from without. But you've got Christ now, you're to receive life from within. But Christians are in a perilous situation when they try to start receiving life from without. You want to know why there's so many Christians falling apart out there? It's because they have put themselves in the center of a war. They've got Jesus on one hand and they're trying to embrace the world on the other. And it doesn't work. They won't find any rest in marriage. They won't find any rest in in prosperity. They won't find any rest in any of these things. Eventually, they're going to come to the conclusion that all of that is garbage compared to what they already have in Christ. You can't live that duality You can't live in between, Christian. You can't try to get life from the world over here and from the Spirit in the center at the same time. It doesn't work. One wars against the other. The flesh wars against the Spirit. When you try to live both, you know it. Your stress, your anxiety, your tolerance, all of those things are through the roof, aren't they? You're constantly trying to settle it in you. And you're trying to get God to settle it within you. But you know what? He's not the one that's the problem. It is your unyielding hold of what's out here that is the problem. Of what's in the world that is the problem. These Judaizers said, you can be a Christian, you can be a Christian, but you've got to have some validity out here in the flesh. So reach out and embrace these things. And Paul says, I did. I embraced all of it and it didn't fulfill me. I was circumcised, Philippians 3, 5. I was circumcised when I was eight days old of the race of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew and the son of Hebrews. As to the observance of the law, I was of the party of the Pharisees. Now Paul considers all this stuff worthless. But look at it, all the credentials, circumcised when I was eight days old. That is, that he received the seal of the Abrahamic covenant at the prescribed and and right time for a true Jew to receive it. He was born with a Jewish heritage. He was not a convert. Converts were circumcised in maturity. True Jews were circumcised in accordance to the law on the eighth day. 
He was born into the tribe of Benjamin, the most highly favored tribe of all the Jewish tribes was the tribe of Benjamin. From Benjamin came David. From Benjamin came Mordecai, the Jew that saved the Jewish race from genocide. Highly favored there. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, which means that he came from a Hebrew family. There was no mixed culture there. He followed the traditions of the Hebrews. He kept Hebrew as his first language. And he was trained by the Jewish scholar, Gamil. And he walked amongst the greats of Jewish tradition. Kept the law zealously. A Pharisee called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. That was the most, the most strict sect of the Jewish faith. They were known for their adherence to the law. They're complying with the law. And they kept the law. No, this guy did it all. And everything that these Judaizers said would bring life to them, this guy had already been in and could tell you was death. Philippians 3.6 As to my zeal, I was a persecutor of the church, and by the law, standard of righteousness, supposed justice and uprightness, and right standing with God, I was proven to be blameless, and no fault was found in me. Paul says, my zeal and my self-righteousness are now worthless. They count for nothing. My life was full of death. Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, pretenders, hypocrites, for you are like tombs that have been whitewashed, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything impure. Just so you also outwardly seem to the people to be just and upright. But inside you're full of pretense and lawlessness and iniquity. Listen, that was the word of Christ towards the Pharisees who kept the law but didn't know him. I believe that there are scores of Christians out there who have re-embraced the idea that if they could do for Christ that they will never have to deal with the separation that they have in their relationship with Christ. I believe that there are scores of Christians out there who have resisted the idea of ever becoming any more intimate with Christ than they are until tragedy strikes. I believe that if Christ could come before us and has, but if he could state for us as he has in this word of his, if he could come down and stand before you and share his heart with you, you know what his heart would be? Oh, not that everybody would get out there and win people for Jesus. You know what his heart would be? I want you to know me. I want you to understand who you have in your life. I want you to understand the relationship that I called you to. I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know the love that I put in you. I want you to know what life is really about. That's what I want for you. I died so we could have this relationship. I have put heaven and earth together that we might live in this relationship. But you have embraced the lesser things. You've gone after the things of this world to find yourself, to find identity, to find standing. And I'm telling you, you have it all in me. You have it all in me. The rest of it is garbage. Philippians 3.7 
But whatever former things that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. You know, after Paul's encounter with Jesus, he saw all of those things in the light of truth and they were no longer considered life for him. Paul says, I've come to consider. Now that's a progressive idea. Which means that over time, as I have walked with him, as I have lived in this relationship with Christ, the more I know him, the more worthless these things have become to me. I love that. It reminds me of a song, The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And you know what? That's the truth. This relationship that we enter into by faith, that we walk in by faith in this life, is to become more sweeter and sweeter as time goes on. You know why you're having trouble realizing the supremacy of Christ against the things of this world? How frequent is your walk with Him? How intimate is your walk with Him? Because it's the contrast that reveals the truth of these things. It is you being able to embrace your relationship with Christ that begins to diminish the shiny of these things out here, the temporal. And as you walk with Him, as you see His sufficiency, as you begin to know it, you begin it by faith, but in time, you get a history with the Lord. You begin to see that He can be trusted. You begin to see that He's faithful. You begin to see that He will provide for you everything that your heart and mind and life long for, the truth of these things, security, peace, truth. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.